Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Libations for Everyone. I am one of the co-hosts. My name is Ben Kwam. Hanging out here, sipping shots, sharing thoughts, having a good time with some of our favorite people on earth. Uh, with me on every episode is my main man, my co-host, Mr. Charles Wad. What's up, guys? Uh, for Maybe for people, especially given our guest today, for some people that maybe haven't heard another episode from us, you want to give them a little overview of what they're in for? Yeah, I'll make it quick. So the synopsis of what we do here is we're having a conversation here, not an interview. So with all of our guests, the goal is just to enjoy some beverages and uh, bullshit. That's really, (laughs) that kind of covers all our bases. So we take a shot to start at the zero minute mark. We ask a question and then every 10 minutes thereafter, we take another shot and ask another question. It's more a topic of conversation than it is a question. And we kind of just go around the horn and we all kind of speak to uh, the topic at hand. And we sort of ask our listeners to uh, maybe pause yeah. as we ask the questions. Just just click pause after we ask and, and sort of answer it yourself. If you're with your special someone or your roommate or your, your brother or your dad. Or you're just hanging out or, drinking alone. Absolutely. I just, am, I'm a proponent of that. Much like movies yeah. alone and dinner alone. If you're alone, you can, you do can probably... That. Maybe not all the time. For but. sure. Yeah, <laughs> if you're alone, you can probably like think about it as you're listening. But if you're with somebody else, kind of look each other in the eyes and answer the question. And then click play and listen to our answers and see how they compare. You know, we can compare notes. But that's just a little, little, little thing we like to throw out there. You can drink coffee, too, if you want. doesn't got to be booze, but we, we like booze. So if you like booze, then... Let's drink together. <laughs> uh, do want to give a shout out uh, for the second week in a row due to uh, some fun circumstances. We actually are back here recording at Max Industrial uh, on the eve of their 16th anniversary. So today, uh, this bar should be waiting in line to almost fail at a parking exam because of the parallel parking. And instead, uh, we're shut down because <laughs> that's the world we live in. So uh, shouts out to everybody who works at Max Industrial, everybody who has worked at Max Industrial. Um, like I said on our last episode, this place is part of my DNA, and uh, it's impossible to not feel the ache in your heart when you see bars and restaurants like this uh, closed up right now. We're just hoping that we can get through this and come out the other side uh, healthy and ready to do this all again. Um, so happy fucking birthday, Max Industrial. Yes, happy uh, birthday. Uh, I I at least get to look at all the granny bottles on the wall, even if I'm not drinking them with you guys. But that's all right. Jim's probably, it's 849. Jim's probably already down. Yeah. All of that aside, I am just so excited. I've been excited all week knowing that this was coming up. It's it's a rare treat for somebody. uh, Charles and I are obviously very obsessed and devoted to the restaurant and bar scene here in the Twin Cities. And it's really rare that you get to see... um, spectacular success in somebody that you also also wish spectacular success for. Uh, I'm really lucky to say that uh, I get to call this guy a friend of mine. It's been fun watching the the growth over the years and now watching things explode has been pretty cool. So to talk about some of that growth and the rest of fucking life and everything else, uh, Chef Justin Sutherland is here with us. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about a lot of the things that you have going on right now? Uh, how long is this podcast? <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot going on. Obviously, restaurants are closed down. So, um, you know, the word of the year has been pivot, which I'm over, but a lot of hard pivots to sustain. Um, 
Just finished filming a new television show that I'm the host of called Fast Foodies that'll premiere February 3rd on True TV. Cool. Excited That's got kind that. of a cool lineup. You got some other other chefs that people re- might recognize from TV with you too, right? Yeah, yeah. Kristen Kish, uh, world famous winner of season 10 Top Chef, and then Jeremy Ford, who is the winner of season 13 Top Chef, are my co-hosts. So it's us three with our antics uh, every week. Rad. First I've heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, conceptually super fun. I mean, it's essentially we're making fun of every other cooking show that exists. So it's Jab, <laughs> Top Chef, and Iron Chef. It's lowbrow. Um, and we have comedians come on and bring their favorite fast food, and then we have to try and recreate them and then chef them up. So. And, like, what a never-ending supply of, oh. of awesomeness. Like, right. stoner food can just concept. go on forever. It's, yeah, yeah, totally. It's airing right after Impractical Jokesters, so they'll get people nice and, nice. Nice and stoned, and then we'll come <laughs> that's on a, and, that's and a get good in the munches. In too, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, well, and normally we would immediately start talking about what we were going to be drinking tonight, but that also kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with, uh, with another project that you worked on. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm a big brown booze guy. Everybody knows that. Whiskey and bourbon's kind of in my blood and had the absolute pleasure of partnering with Tattersall Distilling here in town. Um, uh, a few years ago, we started the process of making the Justin Sutherland Signature Series whiskey. Um, it's out of barrels. It's in bottles. Um, we released it last year slowly, um, and we just finally have it uh, widely distributed. You can buy it on my website, justinsutherland.com, and I think we're going to drink some. Hell yeah. Sure uh, and of course, because we can never be outdone, we also have a beer that is dedicated to our co-host Charles Awad. Yeah, you guys know we have an affinity for spaghetti on this program, spaghetti. and we drink a lot of Toms and often make spaghetti with Toms, which is the uh, American-style lager, the classic lager that Falling Knife produces. So for my birthday, they had some top-secret beer that they produced for me. And it turned out uh, Dan, one of the owners, rolled up to my house with a case of crawlers of spaghetti toms, which is toms that they spaghettized. So they used uh, the Negroni syrup that Blue Ballard makes for them for yep. their uh, N.A. sodas and a bunch of fresh lemon. And so it is fantastic. This is like my ninth crawler of it. So <laughs> just been running through it. Oh, hell yeah. That is absolutely delightful. Also, I think that's going to be a perfect... Um, Nice little counterpart. Yeah, a little counterpart, little little, little drinking buddy to uh, right. this here whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you guys are ready for it, I say let's uh, drink some whiskey and jump into this. Let's do we it. Good? I'm ready. Here we go. First swig. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, those are good p- counterparts for sure. Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, man. For 110, that is incredibly smooth. It is. It is. I was waiting for a lot more of a burn there. No, and that is. Now I just want to. It it's well. It's well balanced. I mean, three single malts, mesquite, chocolate, um, and we just drank a lot, blended a lot, and came out with that. There's worse things to do with your life, my friend. There is. <laughs> there is. All right, I think you're. Shall we? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right, I'm up to bat. So it's getting chilly out there, right? I'm wondering something about you, Justin. Do you prefer when it's really, really hot or really, really cold? Are you a cold weather person, hot weather person? I mean, ultimately neither, but I'll take really, really hot over really, really cold any sure. day. I mean, I, I'll be butt naked and stand outside and sweat before I'll freeze. Yeah, it's, people always have either one extreme or the other that they'll, they'll tolerate yeah. if given the choice. You know, do you want to stand in the walk-in in your underwear or do you want to be standing in the sun on a 110-degree day? 110 all day. 
for sure. Okay. So are you are you like a freeze baby? Do you I not am. like you? Yeah, you don't like I, when it's cold. I can. I mean, it's mostly like my my toes and my fingers. I can never yeah. get warm. I've never in my life been able to find a pair of boots. I mean, I'll <laughs> buy these thousand dollar freaking Eskimo boots that they claim you won't feel anything, and I put them on, and my little bitch ass, I'm just out there like, nope, not working. <laughs> Throw I'm some done. hand warmers in there. So I, I just, I mean, Minnesota born and raised, and still have not gained an affinity for the cold. You never acclimated. No. <laughs> Quam. I, you know, for me, it's. Uh, it depends on how far we want to go to the extremes, because if we're getting down into like the 20s, I will say I prefer cold. Uh, I love like sweaters and jackets and blankets. No, let's I talk mean, about all that. Arizona summer versus polar vortex. I'll take Arizona summer a thousand times. Okay. Out of a thousand. Does it have to be dry heat? No. You don't I, care? I get down in the jungle. Okay. Like I'm, I'm good with whatever. Uh, Puerto Rico, 95 degrees, 110% humidity. And oh. we went on a two-mile climb <laughs> up a volcano. I was in for that. I will rather sweat through all of my clothes right. than those, like, air temperature is negative 17. They're giving you the amount of minutes you can be outside without your skin dying and cracking off. I, that's where I get angry. Like, there's no amount of heat that makes me mad. Right. But, like, once we get about more than negative five, I get actually angry when I go outside. Like, I just swear at myself like a crazy person walking up and down the street. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the reason I have to have headphones in because at least that gets me thinking about something else. it hurts to breathe. Yeah, man. I don't want to live somewhere where it hurts my face. But the lead up to that, I really enjoy. Like the fall day where it's 41 in the day and it's like 25 or 19 at night. Can we, can we correct you real quick, Ben? Can you stop calling 20 sweater weather? 20 is not <laughs> yeah. sweater weather. Like, it I, is I'm when sw- you're fat. <laughs> Fair enough for me, sweater. I'm yeah. like, when it gets to the low 40s, upper 30s, that's sweater weather. 20 is fuck you weather. So what's, I'm, your limit, what's the limit for both of you guys for when you get upset at how cold it is? Single digits, I start getting mad. All right. Justin, a little higher than that? A little higher. I would say once it goes below 30. Like, upper 20s is 20. Like, once it's That's below 30, it. then I'm like, nah, fuck okay. you. A little higher. A little higher. <laughs> what about you, man? I'm, I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this. <laughs> yeah, I'm the antithesis. Actually, the reason I arrived at this question in the first place was that our prior episode with uh, DJ Dudley D. Dudley D. We were talking about what your kryptonite is, and I referred to misophonia, which I talk about way too much on here. And immediately after, I was like, dude, I should have said humidity. <laughs> Because I turn into the fucking Incredible Hulk when it's humid. I absolutely, I cannot stand high humidity. It just really gets to me. I don't like being wet when I don't mean to be. Fair. And humidity is the best way for you to be wet when you don't mean to be. You know, including yeah. like getting water splashed on you and stuff. It just frustrates me for some reason. But when my arms, and I'm a hairy dude, when my arms are all tacky and wet and my hair's shiny on my arms, it just drives me fucking crazy. Or like when your knees sweat or like your ankles, <laughs> yeah. like places that shouldn't sweat. Yeah, you're like, thighs, why is my kneecap sweating? Yeah, your jeans are like getting darker. Like, <laughs> no, thanks, dude. There, I don't like it. And there's, there are moments definitely where, where I don't like it. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, my first time as an adult partying in New Orleans, I ended up at a friend of mine's apartment and he didn't have air conditioning and he didn't tell anybody that until we had brought everybody to his place. Yeah. So he's in a shotgun, like one barrel of a shotgun house with no AC. It's 98 degrees outside. (laughs) And he just invited 14 people to the house. So like the only place that you could go for even a break was either inside the refrigerator or the bathroom, which was all white linoleum. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, I took a sit down pee. Because I was like, I'm going to relax for a couple minutes where it's at least cool-ish. Even that couldn't have been that nice. No, but it was like nicer. But that said, that's only because we have houses that get that hot, but we don't usually have houses that get that cold. 
if I had ever been invited over to a house that was negative two, we wouldn't even be thinking about New Orleans. I would only be talking about how quickly I ended that friendship. <laughs> And he's fucking sure. gone, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, we're talking about all things equal. I mean, I love going to Bachfest. We used to do a Bachfest bus every year, which we called Spockfest. <laughs> and we had all these wacky traditions. We'd get the giant 64-ounce mugs from SA, and we'd bedazzle them. Uh, I'd wear my Macho Man Randy Savage sunglasses, <laughs> and you wouldn't wear that much. And one year, we got negative 7. And the next year, as if it couldn't get worse, the next year was negative 12. Ugh. And the whole busload of people was like, Charles, dude, we cannot stay for that long. And I commandeered the whole thing. I was like, listen, we can leave when my glass that I keep filling with beer because I bought a glass in the gift shop at Shell's. So when this beer glass freezes up to the rim because it was freezing from the bottom, I was like, we'll get on the bus and we'll get out of here. So people were watching me every time I got a beer because it was freezing more and more. Finally, I tried to take a sip and I was like, I turned it upside down and it wouldn't come out. And I was like, all right, guys, let's get out of here. And everyone was like, yeah. That's what you really love that, dude. Huddling up next to a giant bonfire when it's like, were you at that beer dabbler? I think like six years ago, the January oh, one. Oh man, where, it was brutal. Where the beer just froze immediately. I got frostbite. <laughs> I got a black toe that year. That, oh fuck! I got full frostbite. I was working. Probably a third of the breweries lost at least one line in the jockey boxes because oh, yeah. oh, those sure. froze. Yeah, and yeah. Just yeah. I remember hearing about that. that I was, was not wild. there, but. Ugh. Yeah, so I do like it, being 100 percent Lebanese, but being born and raised in Minnesota, I think I'm more Minnesotan than I am. Lebanese, but I like dry heat when I'm in Lebanon. If it's if it's a hundred and dry, I don't fucking care. You can just step under the shade if you're hot, right? But you can't escape humidity. It's gonna follow you wherever you go. This is a weird follow up question, yeah. but I feel like this is a, a, almost a public service announcement that we need to make. Uh, <clears throat> I have learned more about how to deal with my own body and its heat issues from hanging out with chefs, line cooks, mm-hmm. and prep cooks and dishwashers than anything else. Do you? Do you have a regiment of when it's when it's Minnesota a hundred? Yeah. So it's like a hundred and fifty percent humidity. Like yep. even the mosquitoes are coming by on floaties. Yep. Like what's do, do you have a, in a, a, a in, like a personal hygiene regimen or like how to stay cool regiment or? Uh, I mean, it was twofold. I thought you were going to go in a kitchen direction. You know what we do to stay cool in the kitchen. That's yeah. different uh, from a personal level. My regimen is. Stay your ass in the house, <laughs> take your clothes off, <laughs> and, you know, ice cubes. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't. But, again, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll go out if it's really, really hot. Like, it doesn't. I, yeah. don't, mind, I don't mind sweating uh, if I have minimal clothes. I hate sweating with clothes on. But, like, I'll go out on a boat and wear swimming trunks and sweat my ass off. I'm a big uh, the the frozen bandana yep. dipped in water, like you know, and then put in the freezer. That's, that's the kitchen deal. Yeah, keep a thing of ice and ice water in the cooler. Oh, I just do that out on the boat. <laughs> oh, like yeah, that, that comes with in the beer cooler. Yep. And then from uh, that's like a that's like an Arizona jogging trick. Yeah. Right. I had a buddy who used to live in Arizona that he's like, if I jogged, I had to put like a bag of ice under my hat and run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hey, that's legit. <laughs> yeah. uh, my so it's that, and then from um, my first. Uh, my first cooking job, uh, I learned the cornstarch for your bread basket and your nether regions, which yep. then, of course, gave way to uh, the gold bond uh, I- Arctic blast on your nether regions, <laughs> which yep. is my favorite. Uh, I got to see somebody apply gold bond for the first time at the, the last state fair event I threw. Why were you watching somebody apply gold bond? Uh, because I thought he was going to take it into the bathroom. It was the aerosol. And he just literally like took a step back yeah. and, and went crazy. And this is somebody who had never applied that before. So I don't think he was prepared for the menthol cooling <laughs> sensation. <laughs> And I will take that response 10 times out of 10 over somebody that forgot to wash their hands bef- with buffalo wings before Oof. using the restroom. Oh, absolutely. The 
the 30 seconds of him getting used to that menthol cooling feeling yeah. on, on the twig and giggleberries might have been one of the funniest dances I've ever seen. Like, Amazing. if I had known he was going to apply it there, I would have had <laughs> the phone out just videoing and ready to go. I did, uh, I did design a prototype like six years ago, something that never went past me being stoned at my house and like sewing things together. <laughs> but if you guys want in on a, on a, you know, on a, on a business deal, uh, I'm going to take a chef coat and attached took the insert for a camelback, filled it with water and freeze it flat, and then sew an insert into the back Genius. of the chef coat, and then I put suspenders on that to hold counteract the weight so it doesn't pull the coat back, so then cooks and chefs can have an ice-cold pack on their back Genius. the entire time they're working. I made one of these. I got really high, suspenders, <laughs> camelback insert. Did you try coat. it? I tried it. It works great. Oh, that's dope. Um, but it hasn't went any farther, so <laughs> before the podcast world picks up on it, if you guys uh, want in on this... That's, we, can, we should make these. Yeah, that man. is fucking bomb. We got to get that. We got to. We got to call a lawyer and get this thing patented. Yeah, <laughs> let's make that happen. The uh, I, you are right though. As far as um, things that I've experienced, the I'm so hot I might die. Going into the walk-in freezer, mm-hmm. that to me is still the greatest feeling on it earth. Is. There was a, I, I opened a nightclub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, God, 15 years ago. That's so gross. 15 years ago. And um, the DJ booth was kind of near the corner. Like, it was in the corner of the stage. And then there was a bar directly behind the DJ booth. And then the bathrooms were on the other side of that. And uh, we were trying to figure out, because the, there was a band that had, had already sound checked, and I was playing music. And we all had to go to the bathroom. And it was, I mean, it was just mayhem. The, the senator for that region had come out and like done the ribbon clipping, and it was bonkers. <laughs> and we didn't know what to do, so we just climbed on the bar, and we walked down the bar the whole way to the bathroom. And then the walk-in cooler was right next to it. And we came out, and Ryan, the singer in the band, was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can go back out there again. Like you could, you could already see the fog on the windows, and this is in the middle of the summer. Fog on the windows and like the moisture just running down it. Yeah. And we knew that we still had like three more hours to go. And I was like, shit, like, what do you want to do? Because it's hotter outside. And he looks at the, the walk in door and then he pulls a little fucking skinny ass rat joint out of his pocket. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> Sitting in a walk in cooler underneath the cooling fans, blazing a joint. Right might be the greatest, the single greatest feeling I had as an adult in my 20s. Right. Like, that was a moment for me. Nobody knew where we were. Nobody knew how to get to us. All the coolers had just been stocked. Nobody was coming in. It was dead silent in there, and we could just smoke a joint quietly before we went back out to, like, 1,500 people screaming at the top of their lungs to play songs that we don't give a fuck about. Love it. (laughs) If people don't, if you've never sat in a walk-in cooler, make friends with somebody that works in a restaurant and just say, hey, can I just have a kitchen tour real quick? I just need to sit back there. And bring a can of Ready Whip with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But only one, not a case. And a, little, that and, a, and a tiny roach joint, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Whippets in a little joint. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Zatima. Cheers, boys. To another one. Cheers. Now, <clears throat> I happen to know that you're also a devoted music fan. I am. You got your jams that you dig. Um, wait. Yo, this one's me too. Shit. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, we, had our, we had our order a little mixed up, but we both had a spoiler alert music-related question, but this wow. one is mine. Uh, name an album you'd love to see performed front to back in its entirety. I was going to say uh, Living Performers Only, 
but maybe like a member of a band you love has passed away or you'd love to see something performed with a, with a, an existing band with like a, a dead member present or even like i don't care you can you can go back into the catalog and pick a time and place if you want it's totally up to you can you recap there was a lot a lot just happened there i lost you for sure so if you could hear a live performance of an album that you love front mm. to back what would it be if you could pick one Ooh, maybe stevie wonder uh sound of love i think that might be pretty phenomenal front to back can Man. i just can i just gush for a second yeah <clears throat> one of the like this is moments when when you meet the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with you just know but then there's moments down the road where it just reconfirms like oh yeah you did this right yeah uh, <clears throat> my i i almost i was almost scared to pitch this but um stevie wonder was on tour doing songs in the key of life front to back and the closest they were coming was chicago and i walked into the bedroom and was like babe, is there any chance you might be into... And before I could even get done, she was like, yeah, let's go. And so we went. Keeper. And oh my God. Like, (laughs) getting not only getting to see him, but getting to see Stevie in his element, conducting his band, and doing his thing. And whoever designed that tour put a camera directly above where his hands were at all times, no matter what he was playing. And, I mean, there were probably a third of that show... I didn't do anything but stare at the movie screen because I wanted to watch the symphony of what his fingers yeah. were doing. Yeah, it's incredible. It's I just, can imagine. Oh, so I absolutely, 100%. 100% if that you happens, have... I'll be right behind you. Yeah. yeah, I saw him open for Jay-Z at Bonnaroo, I think, want to say like 2013 or 14. When he, oh, shit. They had him... Oh, that sentence is so <laughs> fucking I'm sorry. cool. Jay-Z opened for Stevie because at the end of his set, Jay-Z calls his mom on the phone and he's like, he just finished his set and he goes, Mom, I just had to call you. I just opened for Stevie. And they his mom's like, oh, baby. But then after That's that, right. Stevie Wonder floats down from the ceiling in a white, you know, he wears his, you know, deals with wings playing a white guitar. Shut up. And just they play, and then it was absolutely incredible. That, Shit. That's amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. He went Kings of Leon, Jay-Z, Stevie Wonder back to back on wow. one stage. So That's quite put. the combination. It was quite the uh, musical journey. Holy shit. That's a trip. Yeah, it was good. What's yours, Charles? We like to say on the show that the questions we ask you'd answer differently on any given day. Even though I, I'm posing this question, I was thinking about it and I was like, fuck, I don't know the answer. I think, man, I think I'm going to, because I, I was going to say, like, I missed Opeth at Red Rocks. It's one of my favorite bands. I would love to see them perform Blackwater Park at Red Rocks. Like, if we're going to pick, like, a place, that's not a time. They could do it. They could do it next summer when we're, we're out of this shit. I think maybe my answer would be, uh, Sam Cooke, mm. ain't that good news? Like, if I could see, you know, obviously he's deceased, he, he was killed. Incredible like answer. In the 60s, to see that, particularly, like, such a prolific uh, person of color, and for me to maybe, I think that I would probably feel more, more at home at a Sam Cooke concert than, like, a Sinatra concert at the Absolutely. same time, which is something I might say, like, oh, I would watch Sinatra perform, you know, name an album, but a Sam Cooke show, seeing him perform and, like, just with all the soul that he encompassed... That would be incredible, and and I'd, I'd take my wife with me if I could. She loves Sam Cooke. Amazing. We probably wouldn't have been allowed in a Sinatra concert in his prime, dude. Oh. I talked to my wife about this shit when we watched like he's one of my um, 
when we watch like uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yes. and she's like, wow, look at this spectacular set. I, I said this in the first season. I was like, I know you love old-timey shit. It was actually while we were watching the show. I was like, I know you love old-timey shit, and I like the extravagance and like right. how beautiful it all is, but let me pause this real quick. Look around the room. How many brown people are in there? She's like, oh, shit, like one. And I was like, yeah. And That's he's not holding working. a tray. He's, he's running the elevator. Yeah. He's yeah. holding he's a tray, you know? I'm like, I'm like, I think this stuff's cool, but as a person of color, I can't watch shit like this and not think I wouldn't be welcome there. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's tough. So that's, yeah. A Sam Cooke concert, though, I would be welcome. That would, I mean, when you, when you first asked that question, like, my head also went to, like, my favorite soul singers because that era, like, they were, they were all gone before I got there. Like, <clears throat> to see Otis Redding do his mm-hmm. live at Carnegie Hall, live at Carnegie Hall around the Sunset Strip, to hear the raw like just emotion in his voice. I would love that to hear what's going on when it was written while everything he's talking about was, was going, going on, on at that time, <laughs> yeah. much less now when it's still going on all the same shit. Like <clears throat> those were my first answers, but I was trying to stick with the, okay, gotta be somebody alive right now. Um, if you want to frame it that way, no, feel I, welcome to do, I do so. Cause I could fight for a lot of other records, but I think it would, because of how important both of these albums were to me, I think it still frames correctly. I missed um, seeing Outkast live completely. I've seen Big Boy live twice, but okay. I've never seen Outkast live. And to have been able to see them on AT Aliens when they still hadn't crossed over to like mega stars, when, in my opinion, one of the five greatest hip-hop albums of all time was created, to still get to see that at, like, a first av, that, to me, like, it makes me want to weep that I missed that. Mm. And then on the same tip, and honestly, a year away from that, was um, to see Tool on the Anima tour. Sure. Uh, That was when they they had a path, and then they sort of took, like, a 45 degree angle and went, instead of going down the path of where everyone else in metal had gone, they went in that weird, like, proggy, Peter Gabriel meets metal era. That's when I started loving Tool, was when they took that pivot, and I was like, oh, I like her, I like well, rock music. And that yeah. was... that was <laughs> Ladder Else is my favorite album of all time. I yeah. had a friend who was really obsessed with Undertow, and was mad as fuck at Anima, and I liked Undertow, huh. but I yeah. loved Anima, and right. that like ended our friendship over that band. <laughs> really, like we stayed boys, but we just didn't talk about Tool anymore because he thought they sold out by not continuing on the path that they were on from Opiate into Undertow. And for me, I mean, Anima might still be in my top twenty for sure, maybe top ten favorite records, because it like that is a watershed moment in my music life, where music after that, same as AT Aliens, music after that was just different to me. And I would love to, to have been able to see that, I guess, with my ears now. So for them to perform like that album in its entirety, yep. or are you saying pre-lateralis to see them perform? Correct. To do Anima front to back or AT Aliens front to back. Yeah. Okay. Especially AT Aliens front to back with the way that that album ends. Oh. I'd, probably, I'd probably cry. You I'm not going to lie to you. And I wouldn't have gotten that when I was, because I think I was 17 when that came out. 16 or 17 when that came out. I wouldn't have gotten it then. Yeah. But to be me now and go back in time and see that album front to back, I, that would have 
like for how much that still means to me, I think either one of those absolutely would have wrecked me. What if you could still see that? Would you be as interested in it? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely absolutely. go. Yeah, I've okay. still I've still never seen that's one of Outcast that's, Live. that's that's an option. Like that could happen. Yep, I can't see Sam Cooke, but you I could would see that someday, I, possibly. Andre maybe. three thousand back on stage with Big Boy would go back into my, my my poor wife. She has two concerts now that I've already said I will spend unforgivable amount of money on, and that's uh, Daft Punk, if they ever get back together, or if they ever go on tour again, mm-hmm. and Bruce Springsteen with the E Street Band. Mm. And if Big Boy and Andre 100%. go back out on tour together... Second mortgage. That goes, that goes on top of the other two. That's, yeah. Like, yeah, that would be on the list. Okay. I, I don't care if i got to wear football pads and, and <laughs> oxen legs, like... I'm into that shit. Mm-hmm. I've thought about like Jamiroquai too. Like if he, oh, yeah. I, was, I would pay any amount of money for a U.S. Jamiroquai show. Or well, like Tribe, Tribe Called Quest is another one. And thinking yeah, about shit. what Jamiroquai would do with visuals now, Fuck. with the technology that we have and like 3D mapping and shit. And like, I watch the old ones. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is so analog. Like if he was in this, like this would be the freaking trippiest show in the world if he had like what's happening now. Getting to see Tribe Called Quest on their retirement tour with the Beastie Boys. That's still in my top five greatest concerts of all time. Like, to have a full Tribe set mm. and then a full Beasties set. It's time. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what to do, so if 3-6 uh, Mafia, do you want to get drunk? Uh, it just seemed, <laughs> it yes. seemed right. Um, but uh, when, when the encore would have happened, the Beastie Boys never left. When the encore was supposed to happen and they were just letting everybody like cheer for a while longer, yeah. uh, the st- it was a, a theater in the round kind of thing, so the, they were in the middle of, of Target Center. And um, Q-Tip came up out of the floor and he crawled up uh, MCA's <laughs> bass stack. And he was like, I, I can't, I, I was going to try and do a Q-Tip impression. I, I, please can't. do it. Do he, does it. A, he does a shitty impression every episode. <laughs> Ayo Minneapolis! You know, he's got that like <laughs> nasally high higher pitch. pitch. He's like, Ayo Minneapolis! And everybody kind of got, he like made the quiet down. He goes, The Beastie Boys told me that this right here, this shit right here, this is sabotage! And they went into it, and Q Tip jumped into the crowd and freestyled a verse while being like passed around the crowd. Unreal. And then when he finally came up, the Beastie Boys went actually into the song. Okay. But Sabotage ended up being six and a half minutes long because Q-Tip had over two minutes straight of just fucking freestyling. And it was just like, how do you upstage the Beastie Boys doing Sabotage? That's how the fuck you do that. And there's probably three humans on Earth that could pull that off. Right. At, at, that was prime. They was, MTV was still playing that, that video, like every fourth video. Yeah. And he still found a way to not steal the spotlight. Right. He literally earned his own brighter spotlight for yeah. that show and then just got to party for the rest of the time. This Amazing. Sick. God, all these music memories. That's all, oh. all I want. Remember when we used to get to do that? Remember when we did that? <sighs> Someday again. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of. Can, hey. I, can I have a little sip? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> Does it say your name on the bottle? Oh, Fuck. Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. shit. He's got us there. Son of a. All right. Uh, okay. There we go. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Mm. God damn, that's good. All right. 
Justin, you are a, a person, for better or for worse, like me, who kind of gets to feel somewhat at home anywhere we go. For, for whatever reason, people show us some love when we're out and about. And I always, I, I think about this in my own life, and I was kind of interested to hear your views on this. Have you, or where have you traveled or within our community, where have you felt the most foreign? Or, or also, what foreign place have you gone to where you felt completely at home? Like, is there a time that you can remember feeling, holy shit, mm-hmm. I'm maybe not supposed to be here, or I don't look like anybody here, or I don't feel like anybody here? Or on the other end, have you traveled anywhere where you think you're on the other side of the world, and everywhere you go, you're like, oh, we are all the same. We're all fucking humans. Uh, I, uh, I, mean, that's a, I think that's a loaded question uh, for me. Um, I mean, I guess to start, I, you know, I grew up with it just, I mean, we, we've talked about this, but, you know, just my upbringing, being able to travel. My mom worked for the airlines, so, you know, as a kid from, you know, spring break through high school, like, we flew for free, and when we didn't have babysitters, we went to work with mom, and it would just be like, you know, we got a trip to Paris today, you guys are coming on the plane, and you're going to spend the day around here. Nice. I just, you know, I spent up till 26 just flying around the country with my mom. So I mean, we had a Wild. lot of just culture and travel. So I've always felt, you know, at home places and in different cultures. Um, but then again, I think I don't, at first I kind of had an uneasy feeling with that, like always feeling like welcome or, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, you've just been Kwam, you have this thing, you walk into a room, people are like, Oh, I fucking like this guy. Yeah, there's that guy. You know, and I, I, you know, I, I have pieces of that myself and it's always, at first it's uncomfortable. I was like, fuck, I can't, I know I'm not that cool. Why is it that people like, want to talk to me? So I would like go into situations trying to not be welcome or trying to be like, all right, somebody, you know, somebody not like me. Testing it. Um, yeah, kind of testing it out. <laughs> just trying to figure out where that place was that I didn't fit in. And then I just came to the conclusion that if you're, you know, if you're a good people and you like good people, good people, you know, just flock to each other. And, and, and that's just kind of been my... You know, my uh, view since then. It's good philosophy. Absolutely so, you know, it is. You know, obviously, you know, I'm Norwegian, Japanese, and black, so I don't, you know, I don't, I've always just come up very multicultural, and so I just see people as people, and then I realize that for the majority, most people do as well, if you give them the opportunity to, so. Yeah, like you that. should feel comfortable everywhere, should, but you know. every, everyone else needs to be comfortable well, with you. I mean... Probably not at a 1930s uh, Frank Sinatra right. concert. <laughs> sure, that's true. <laughs> what about you, Charles? My answer is mutually exclusive. It's Nevis, Minnesota. It's uh, where my now-deceased yeah. buddy Mike's cabin is located. And I started traveling there with him 12 years ago. I'm, a, I'm outdoorsy, but I'm a city boy, and I hadn't been doing, like, cabin life camping stuff for a very long time. I was very incubated here in, in Minneapolis, and he started inviting me to his cabin. And I remember the first time going there with him, thinking as we got closer and closer, and this is one of my, my favorite catchphrases that I like to say when I, I roll into, like, a cornbread town, as I say, I'm too brown for this town. And so I remember when we first traveled there, I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if I belong here, like... I don't, I don't know if there's anyone else like me in this town, but I found out pretty quickly that uh, as long as, you know, to speak to what Justin just said, if you enter a bar, like there was a bar there that got burnt down called the Whitetail Tavern, but that was a place we went when we first traveled to the cabin where it was like 
a bunch of good old boys hunting people, people with cabins up there. And I remember first walking into that bar, and this is a long time ago, like 12 years ago, thinking, ah, man, I might, I might get into a scrap tonight. You know what I mean? And, and it had been a long time even then since that had happened to me. But I was like, I don't know if I belong here. But I went in like, you know what? I'm not going to be apprehensive. I'm just going to have a good time tonight. And everything ended up all right. It turned out it's a small town, but there's a lot of good folks there. And even to this day, sometimes there are feelings of apprehension. Uh, recently traveling there uh, to visit my, my buddy's cabin, a lot, of, a lot of stands with flags and things of that nature that I just got to keep my head down or put the, the horse blinders on and just keep trucking. And every, you know, everything's been fine. I, I haven't had any sort of confrontations, but it's funny because it is mutually exclusive. It's a town that I don't always know if, I'm, if I belong there. But I've never been given a reason to believe that I don't belong there, which means that, like, I should give them some credit for that, that I, I actually have always had only positive experiences there. God, and unfortunately, there's so many of those towns. And, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, it's weird traveling. And I guess, I mean, obviously, I mean, I felt uncomfortable places, but there's a lot for of sure. those towns where you land. I mean, from Utah to South Dakota to, you know, freaking lots of places in minnesota i mean when you drive it up north to the cabin you pass through some towns and you're like i don't know if they want me here or not so yeah totally last few months especially were right. just like well the flag something i hadn't seen the flags yeah and the hats and and then you reflect and you're like those i mean those mindsets have always been there now they just now they just have a sign that tells you who they are so right. it's, it's weird but yeah can relate definitely that's legit i uh for me, it's always just been because of size. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I have to say that, like, qualifying as basically, like, an apex predator of privilege, like, there's not... I live in a world that's built for people that look like me to succeed. Like, there are studies that prove lower voices, taller people, men, men with white skin in our society, like, are sort of just granted a few extra passes and things. But <clears throat> being being a giant it is a little bit weird um there's a few times where i've gotten swarmed up um we were in paris and i got surrounded by a a chinese tour group and realized that they we were at the louvre and they had quit taking pictures of sculptures and paintings and they were just taking pictures of me what and then different people in the group were running up and like grabbing me and taking a picture and then running away weird and that was like that was a really weird experience because did you lean in or were you like leave me alone (laughs) i leaned in because i didn't know how to not lean in and not seem like i was a monster just so it made you uncomfortable right like you're like yes i am andre the giant like if you if you read mary shelley's like frankenstein there's parts of the monster that i identify with where like look he might have tried and they just left that part out of the book like (laughs) hey stop but, like, you can only push people back right. enough where all of a sudden a security guard goes. I thought it was the bolts in the neck. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know. So, like, that's, that's tough. And I, I felt that way in the souks in Marrakesh, Morocco, also because, A, I was earmarked as clearly a tourist, but they just assumed that I was an NFL player mm-hmm. or a rugby player. So they were, like, extra pushy. with push- And then the fact that, like, my wife is gorgeous, giant, plus-size male, they're like, oh, well, clearly he's rich, too. 
And it was like, oh, no, no, you guys, you guys, this is hilarious. I'm not shipping eight rugs home to my mansion because I don't have the money for that and I don't have a mansion. So right. cute. Wait, so you were getting like checked around? I don't. They were like, like walking through the souks. They would like stop me. Like they okay. would all, all the way like across the shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shops would because yeah. it's all it's all just like dirt pathways through everything, and they would block it. So like I had to go into their stores, right? And then they had to offer me mint tea, and then we had to go through the whole thing. And like yeah, you don't even got to look had like to a say football no, player. I can't afford you this. look like you look like an American. Yeah. Well, so like, but then I'm American, but then I'm bigger than all the other Americans. And so the only, usually the only Americans of like my size they see coming through are people that are like, oh, I finally have enough money to travel the world. Now I'm right. going to go check this shit out. And it, like, it was hilarious because I actually did walk by two other NFL players and they were just going through the same shit. Yep. It was just like, they're just getting pounced on. But then on that same trip, that was, that was sort of the basis for it. I couldn't believe that I also felt so at home. Because there was, you know, there's also tons of restaurants in Marrakesh that are trying to compete for business. And a lot of them are pretty much serving the same thing. And one dude, every time we walked past his restaurant, he was always out front, but he always had like bomb music playing. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped and I mean, his English was pretty broken and my Arabic was awful. So we kind of, it was a a mixture of hip hop slang and French was kind of how we communicated. But we became friends on Facebook. I sent him a bunch of mixtapes. He sent me some <laughs> shit from like some up and coming DJs and rappers in Mar- in Marrakesh, Morocco. Yes. I mean, even without language, yeah, we still just over music. Like that was a way to like to feel bonded, you sure. know. And for two or three years after that, we kept messaging each other, and then. I hope he's okay. He deactivated his Facebook profile. I hope he just decided that social media was bullshit. Maybe he just didn't really like you that much. Yeah, there's like, also that. There's also that. He, maybe yeah. he blocked you. Yeah. yeah. You but that was like that last mixtape. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> music sucks. Bye, Quam. Enough yeah. of this, dude. Uh, I went through the same thing in Japan, but I just leaned right into it. I was going through the airport. Everybody thought I was LeBron James. All these little Japanese girls were oh, coming God. up. They'd be like, LeBron, LeBron. I was like, yep, I am. I, I mean, there's pictures floating around the Japanese Facebook of me, and people are like, I'm with LeBron James. And I'm just, I was waiting for that to come back and haunt me. But That's why you will never feel uncomfortable anymore. You just, you just lean in. Just you're lean like, right yeah, whatever. And I was like, yes, I am LeBron. <laughs> there, there, there is a story that will end up probably on another podcast episode. Uh, where backstage in Oslo, Norway, with the Bloodhound Gang, two incredibly intoxicated Norwegian girls uh, thought that I was Ben Affleck simply because my name was Ben. Hmm. And I see it in other places. Ooh, I'm not b- a big well, forehead, and that's. I don't know if it was your name because if you white, you Ben Affleck. Are <laughs> that role models? Well, this was <laughs> now. This was this was like '99, so this was like basically Goodwill Hunting was. Oh, so that's where it started. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But yeah, that was uh, it's 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 funny to see what people just assume with no background. Like you're darker than they are, and you have a beard in a similar shape. Therefore, you must be. Right. I, I, mean, I look huge on TV, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm American, and my name is Ben. And that was literally all these two needed. Right. Oh, and I was, and I was hanging out with at the time a mildly popular band. Ben was rocking quite a nice kind of like beard though for a minute. Yeah, this was pre-beard. I, I was clean. Mm, I might have had a soul patch. Okay, you might have looked a little more with him clean shaven then too. I I actually looked more 
I, I don't look like Matt Damon, but with the butt cut and the little chin fuzz, I probably looked more like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting than Ben Affleck. Or probably looked more like Casey Affleck, to tell you the truth. I also <laughs> thought this might have been a recent trip and you were just walking around in a oh. Batman costume. <laughs> Welcome to Oslo. <laughs> uh, well, shit. Should we put them up? I think so. Here we go. Boop. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Here we go. Mm. Who's up? Oh, me, because I wanted to do more music stuff. Oh, yeah. I, like, you, I did, too. You did, too. Yep. I, love, I love getting to think of... I, I don't know. Like, music is such a... It's, it's such a, a personal form of art to people. Mm-hmm. Like, it speaks to people on different levels. Is it the beat? Is it the melody? Is it the lyrics? Is it, like, whatever? Obviously, we've talked about the fact that you're a chef, uh, both in our community and then nationally, you have a vibe of that. When I'm cooking, I cannot cook in silence. Mm-hmm. When, when I am cooking, I don't mind if, if other people are silent. It's, it's, it makes me think that you might be a serial killer. Right. But uh, for me, it's, there's a symphony going on, and the music is just part of the whole thing. Is there anything that you, all other variables removed, that you love cooking to more than anything else? Whether it's an artist, a genre... Um, an, an actual record mm-hmm. like is there something that like you're in your dream kitchen you have the time you have the ingredients like what would you put on or does it change depending on what you're cooking I was just going to say that it very much depend, depends on um, you know setting uh, genre of food and, and mood uh, or I'd, would you be willing to offer up a few pairings yeah. that you dig I think so I, I mean I love I love music in general I'm a I'm a festival head. I'm a music guy. I'll listen. I just I'll listen to music, and it's my 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 taste is across the board. Um, in kitchens, I love I love a lot of Gary Clark Jr. lately. Um, he's been kind of the the soul of my kitchen for a long time. Um, I also, I mean, I I do, I do like do a lot of electronic. I do like a, a lot of jam bands. Um, I listen to. I don't know if you guys listen to uh, STS Nine Sound mm-hmm. Tribe at all. We listen to a lot of Sound Tribe in the kitchen. Um, I listen to all the Humphreys McGee if you get me if you get oh, yeah. jammy at all. I'm Hell a big, yeah. I spent uh, back in the day, I think I spent an entire year uh, loaded up a truck and followed Humphreys around on tour to I think all across the country for like four months. I mean that was That's my awesome. that was my that was like my Grateful Dead following where I just <laughs> did drugs and didn't wear shoes and okay. lived in a band with two sweaty dudes and traveled around seeing Humphreys. So I mean we're you know, and a lot of outcasts. Like uh, you brought up, so I mean, we're everywhere from hip hop to obscure jam bands to you know a lot of electronic. So I just I love music, and I'll do, I do a lot of Frank Sinatra, um, and sometimes I do classical when I'm at home, like classical. So horrible answer, Soothing, but all the answers. Relaxing, yeah, for sure. I I mean, Quam, go for it. Oh, it's everything. You know me. <laughs> it's <clears throat> I love uh, if I'm making breakfast. It's almost exclusively R&B and soul or reggae. Um, I'm, I'm really young in my reggae collection. I had like the, the bullshit overview, Peter Tosh, Bob Marley legends. Mm-hmm. Like that's about it in college. Tits in the Might Halls. Yeah. It, even that was more in my 20s into my 30s. Sure. And now it's kind of come back around. No where, knocking it. I love listening to that shit. That's, well, that was the jerk soundtrack. When we were making, when I made that jerk like a month ago, 
I mean, it's part it. of it. Like all of the emotion and all of the love come comes with that. And I just finally tracked down. Um, there's a, a Bob Marley live at uh, Lysine Theater. Um, there was a, a single vinyl of that that existed mm-hmm. for a long time, and then they were teasing this re-release that finally came out. And it's both nights, the whole show, as opposed to the original LP that just picked like the best tracks. And that's been my cooking magic. Like it's it's so fucking dreamy to just be able to do just throw that on, and hearing a very similar set list both nights, but how differently the mm-hmm. whole band plays each show is wild. Um, and then the other exception to that is uh, Gary Clark live. I will. It's the only song that I will go back to the record player and put back. Mm-hmm. But his uh, was it third stone from the sun. Uh, yeah, that yes. ten minute version. That that shreds. Shit, yep. If I, I am now to the point with that song that if you told me I only had one song left like to listen to forever, that might be it. I love you. Like it's so fucking good. Uh, but then later later in the evening, especially if we're like you know for having a couple drinks and you know whatever, then I love hip hop. I love uh, like any sort of like dance rock, yes. uh, Young the Giant, Phoenix, yep. uh, Strokes, that kind of shit. Uh, Butch Walker is in there. I love that shit. Um, and then again, end of the night. That's when it gets more back into like the R and B and soul singers provided what the the crooners provided for mm-hmm. the generation before me. Mm-hmm. I love. I have a, a Frank Sinatra live with Quincy Jones conducting Count Basie's orchestra. And that's amazing because of the amount of orchestration that he lets go without singing. But for the most part, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have like a direct connection to a Sinatra or a Dean Martin or even like a Tony Bennett. Mm -hmm. I've always felt like that's something that I can appreciate that it just doesn't, it's never hit me. But if you, like I said before, Otis writing live on stage he could just say the, the word you, and I would think that he was talking directly to me, and yeah. I would answer him from my kitchen. Yes, yes. Otis, what do yes. you need? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What, what was the question? Like, that's, and it's a lot of the same dramatics. It's a lot of the same material. It's a lot of the same subjects. But for whatever reason, Redding, Cook, Gay spoke more to me than Sinatra, Martin, mm-hmm. Bennett, Joey Lawrence, any of those guys. Yeah, I kind of conflate all of those, and that's definitely, like, the music that we listen to in my kitchen at home when it's my wife and me. I do most of the cooking, but if no, she's... No, no we're, we're, we're not going to listen to the new Babyface record anymore? Is that what I'm gathering? Uh-oh. Don't make me do it. <laughs> Sorry, B. Love you, B. I like the, new baby, the newest Babyface album. <laughs> it, it's, it's all right. I did, I did go back into the catalog, though, Kwame you were right, you know? You can't, you can't get mad. At, for the cool in you era, babyface, I'm sorry. When can I see you again? That shit works oh, yeah. morning, noon, and night. Yeah, my, so I was playing that while I was cooking, actually, because I, I tried the newer album that I hadn't heard at all, and I was like... Justin Laserbeak is... told us that, that Babyface's newest studio album was like the best R&B album ever made. Like, he sold it all in. He, he said, like, yeah, he said that's all he that's listens to right now. impossible, and I haven't even heard it. Yeah, I mean, it he was... Said, he said Babyface is the greatest living musician, which is cool. And, but he said that that album is his favorite album right now, yeah. which is cool also. But then I was like, I'm going to spin that shit. And I was cooking and I threw it on and Marnie was walking the dog or something. 
And I was like, dude, this is fucking whack. Like, I didn't like <laughs> it. I didn't, I, I just, it didn't, it didn't appeal to me. But then I put on the cool in you and I was like, here we go. And then Marnie walked in and she's like, what are you listening to? I was like, this motherfucking baby face. And she was like, this is the opposite of the music I think of when I think of you. Right. And I was like, am I that identifiable by the tunes that I listen to? Because I'm not, because I listen to all kinds of shit. Because referring to what you're saying, like the crooners and old blues artists and stuff, that's mostly, that's our default setting for when we're chilling together, some candles are lit, we're drinking some wine, I'm doing me's, we're playing stuff like that. Actually, our like default default, if you broke it down, would be modern versions of those singers. So Leon Bridges and Charles Bradley. If we can't, if we don't want to think about it, Leon Bridges goes on. 100%. That's it. Like, yeah. boom, that's it. Leon. You can't you know, get mad at Leon Bridges. Marnie plays. Yeah. Our first dance song was Leon Bridges. So like, we don't, if we, if we don't want to think about it, I know she's going to spin Leon Bridges or like some easy shit, like guardians of the galaxy soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Cause it just makes you feel good. So good. You know, it's just heartwarming. Like it's a lot of songs. They make you feel good. If I'm by myself and I know Marnie's not going to be around, which none of us really has that luxury now, we're always around other people. And for me, it's my wife and I'm not complaining. But when I'm by myself, I got this sick sound system that I got like seven months ago. I want to blast some death metal. I want to play Job for a Cowboy. I want to blast some hip hop. I'll play like MF Doom and Zarface, like something like that, like loud as fuck. And it makes me chop faster. And you just like feel good. It's like cathartic. Your, you know, your, your blood is pumping. You get the adrenaline going. It makes like, it makes cooking a contact sport. You know, you're just like really into it. I, I'll agree with you on that because I was literally chopping veggies today to yeah. Battle of Los Angeles, Rage Against the Machine, sure. and I probably made it all the way through an entire bag of Brussels sprouts <laughs> faster than I ever have in my life. You were just raging on those Brussels. Well, yeah, dude, like time. testifying to Gorilla Radio, like my yeah. knife was just... Because I still try to keep time with whatever the beat is. So if if the straight one, two, three, four is too slow, then I'll put in double time like... But See, I, can't, if, I can't be off on it. It's gotta be. If I did that with Job for a Cowboy, I <laughs> would have no fingers. Uh, so <laughs> blast beats and I'm trying to chop with it. I'm not that good. <laughs> I have a weird guilty pleasure Ooh, affinity yes, for like, we for love like these. just, I mean, I'm kind of like an early 90s uh, Hootie and the Blowfish Matchbox 20. Okay. You give me anything that was on KDWB from like uh, 1990 to 1998. Um, I just, I know all those songs. That's when I like started listening to music, and like that was the stations that were on. So like, all, like I know the words to all of those songs. And when I'm by myself, I will throw on anything from like 1990 to 98 that was like weird. Could pop. you could you kick out a favorite from those? Huh? Is there is there a favorite from those ones? Like, uh, I mean, I Hootie and Blowfish and Matchbox Twenty. I'll I'll bust out any. I'll I'll give you a lot of doot doots right now, dude. Can, did you we always we love those semi-charm, bands? Semi charm kind of life is one of my karaoke yeah. go to. Yeah. <laughs> did you always love those bands, or is it a nostalgia thing where it's it like a, just I, makes I, you? I don't feel... know. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm okay. hoping that it's just a nostalgia thing. But then the farther <laughs> I get into it, I'm like, do you actually like this? Don't tell anybody. Or do you right. just remember this? I don't know what's, what's going on. Yeah, and I have a theory that after after grunge, when we had that like mid nineties, where like post Nirvana, yeah, like post Nirvana, Pearl when, Jam, and then it got into that very... when Hootie blew up and Sister Hazel blew up yes. and Matchbox Twenty blew up. I have this I have this theory that for a small era, like two to three years, just everybody's cool bar band got famous, right? Like Hootie and the Blowfish 
should be the best bar band in like Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. Okay. Like that should be the band that when you go to Charleston, your friends are like, yo, Thursday yeah. nights, Hootie. we got to go to the anchor. Got to see Hootie. Because Hootie and the Blowfish play. And you'd be like, what the fuck is Hootie and the Blowfish? You're like, just shut up and come. Blues Traveler. Yeah, Blues Traveler. Same in there. <laughs> like the lead singer has 18 harmonicas on. That shouldn't work in like normal life. But it did in that era. Time and place, yeah. And everybody had long-lasting careers out of that. Right. They had good music to make. Sure. And I will, st- I will still put my foot down that the last vestige of that era is the Zac Brown Band. I uh, mm. love the Zach Brown band. Uh, Zach Brown, if you want to, you want to hang out. I, I mean, if we can send this out to him, but I love Zach Brown band. I know so every song on that album. We're one degree separated from him, so this is not that far out <laughs> of the realm of possibility. Say, are, are you him? I've never seen you no. and Zach Brown in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was so. I, no, I man, will, he's Ben Affleck. Come on, I will always cheer on <laughs> Zach Brown band. I, 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 this is like my life's mission because I hate pop country. My life's mission is to say this one gets a caveat for me. Because Zach Brown, his the whole band, it's all the guys that formed cover bar bands yep. from that era. So all of those dudes are closer to my age or older because they were all the guys that were playing those songs all the time in the Atlanta bar scene. Mm-hmm. And the guy that is now the Bernie Taupin to uh, Zach Brown's Elton John, so the guy that helps him write all the lyrics, that was the bartender at the bar that he had his weekly cover gig at. Okay. And they would just hang out and like the bartender would like think of random like song lyrics and be like, this would be kind of cool. You should right. fit that in a song. Oh, chicken fry. That's where, there. yep. Toes in the sand. That's where that came from. And when I had never put all, I had never put everything together. I knew his lead guitar player from his cover band days. And to this day, John Hopkins is one of the coolest motherfuckers I've ever met. There's also some frat boy Jimmy Buffett mixed in there yeah. as well. And I feel like there's a little of that. Yeah. And <laughs> again, wrong? I'm not Makes sense. I'm not yeah, saying I love every song. Up. I'm saying I'll I'll support the band because the last time they played in Minnesota, uh, John gave my friend Abe and I tickets, and we were hanging out. And the encore, they let every single musician in the band cover whatever song they wanted to cover. And so, of course, they all picked. Hip hop, metal, like they did fucking Enter Sandman, they did Sabotage, they did um, Baby Got Back, they did everything that wasn't right. pop country because they all spent so long playing all kinds of different genres. That's cool. That it like came back around. Okay, that adds a novelty now I love to them it. More. Yeah, because I don't because I don't really love that when regular bands go off on those types of tangents. Like Weezer, the last time I saw them. Oh, did you see them Marnie? at the XL though when they did their cover yeah. show? You didn't yeah, like it. Was, there was just too many covers. Uh, yeah. Well, that was their whole album, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a cover album. Like, album. That was the whole point of the show. No, there was a rig- they played they played a bunch of material. That they, was no, like no, but two the, the newest ago. the newest record is Whoa. all yeah, covers. I know, but I just yeah. so that yeah, was that I wasn't, was the, I wasn't feeling it. I wanted to hear uh, Weezer because then they playing they played a lot of the newer material that wasn't covers that I don't love. I was like, oh, man, play some old shit. Like, I was that guy. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's it. I just, I'm I'm not a huge fan of bands that play a ton of covers. But that, there's some novelty to them doing that if they all come from that background. Because otherwise I'd be like, "Ah, that's kind of lame. I love when pure musicians, like instrumental instrumental musicians play 
legit covers of oh, classic absolutely. songs and like shred it. That's why that's why I love Umphreys McGee. Like I love when they just fucking they will shred a cover of my favorite song, and I'm like, I think Fair. you just did it better because those dudes are so, all masters at like every well, instrument well, that all, they play. Yeah, they're all Harvard graduated like music fucking professors, and they're just like, hey, you want to <laughs> fucking play play songs for a bunch of hippies? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, they're so anyway. Sorry. I just want to throw uh, out uh, a recommendation to both of you guys and also to all of our listeners. Um, going back to the, the vein of what we were talking about, um, there is a, um, there's a, a series of records made by a DJ and producer that I really dig called The Soulmates Project. And what he was trying to do was for kids growing up to bridge the gap between the f- 60s and 70s soul, funk, and R&B music and like modern hip hop. And so he did, he's done a bunch of different projects. He did um, a Stevie Wonder and Common project called Common Wonder. He did mm-hmm. uh, a Biggie and James Brown project. And um, in I think 2017 or 2018, uh, he was doing an AMA and they asked, How come you never do anything for female artists? And he okay. like looked back at everything and he was like, Oh shit, yeah. yeah. You're right. I haven't, like, in seven years, he had never done anything. Okay. And he just kind of vanished for a little while. And uh, a month ago, he came out with an album called The Miseducation of Eunice Wayman. Mm. And he melded Nina Simone and Lauren Hill. And I will straight up tell both of you guys, I don't, I don't think a record has moved me more in the last year than this has. I've been playing it nonstop for two straight days. Okay. And, like, it took me a, a little bit to, like, get into the scope of the project. Right. Like, I read about it, and I was like, okay, cool. And I listened to a couple tracks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to that. And then I put it on when I was cleaning up the house over the weekend. And I, I, didn't, realize that, I didn't realize the scope of the project. Um, I fell in love with him because he did, um, oh, my God, I think it's called A Bizarre Ride to a tribe called quest mm-hmm. and it's all uh tribe called quest and far side mashups and that's actually the only bootleg vinyl i own because i had to track it down and mm-hmm. find it and once i figured out it was the same guy and i figured out the scope of it I, honestly like it's one of the most moving pieces of art i've ever seen because it it puts lauren hill as reflected by the sounds of nina's time right and it updates Nina to how powerful, how much, how even more powerful she would have been with a boom bat beat behind it. So, which which pieces of each did they pull from it? Because I feel like Lauren is such a force in herself to like mix with Nina. Like, are you pulling? You know what I mean? Like, which yeah. pieces? Like, they, I mean, there's just so much force. Right. So I think I'm just well, gonna. I think I'm just gonna explore. And yeah, you, you have to. So basically, like, I'll, I'll I will it. check it's this a, out. Yeah. So it's it's That's... it's a highlight trip through the Fuji's catalog. And um, the Lauren Miseducation of Lauren Hill okay. for the vocals. Yep. And then what he did was go back and figure out how to relay that over different Nina samples so that every cool. record has a Nina sample mm. in it. And like the one that pops into my brain right now is Ready or Not for the Fugees starts with the Nina like Simone uh, live. Mm-hmm. Black people, are you ready? And the whole crowd cheers. And she's like, no. Black people, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Crowd cheers again. And then they introduce the song sample. And then they speed her up so it still fits with it. Yep. And then right before Lauren comes in, it's 
black people, are you ready? Ready or not, here I come. And like, I mean, even just saying that, like, I just gave myself chills. It's, it's sick. So, uh, again, uh, Eunice Wayman is Nita Simone's birth name. Uh, so it's the miseducation of Eunice Wayman. It's probably going to end up being my favorite record of the year. I'm just taking a note real quick. Yeah. Dude, my favorite Lauren Hill collaboration, uh, back to my weird festival stuff, but if you know a string cheese incident. Yeah. But they did a Lauren Hill incident at, uh, <laughs> yeah, at um, Electric Forest Come seven years on. ago. So it was, and this was fresh off, you know, she was, you know, she made her comments and her thing and there was whatever when Lauren was coming, doing her comeback and string cheese incident came up and they're like, we have a special guest, blah, blah. You know, obviously we're at, at electric forest, a bunch of white people. And they're like, we got somebody who's going to come up and just, you know, school you guys. And Lauren Hill walked out and I was like, this is the craziest thing ever. And I were calling the rest of this, this tour, the Lauren Hill incident. And they toured with her oh. and I saw that show twice. Oh, and cool. It was absolutely amazing. Like Last the th- ultimate jam band with freaking Lauren Hill, just getting soulful and funky as fuck on top of How it. How long ago was that? Uh, it was six or seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. Saw I saw twice. her at Soundset the last time I went to Soundset. Yeah, I was there. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. I got to yeah. see her at First Ave, and I've never seen anybody conduct musicians better than better. she did. Like, and this, honestly, I will straight up say, sorry, Dudley D, I know you're going to get mad. Even, even more than Prince. Uh, Questlove, may, Questlove may have one step above, but that's because he had a microphone mm. that goes to all of his performers' earpieces. Right. But as far as Lauren with her hand signals, she never turned around. Nope. But she but would this? hold up. Yep, she mm. would hold up different hand signals, yeah. and instruments would pop in and out. And what like I, I kept forgetting to listen to the music because I was so baffled by how masterful her working of her band was. And that's, ugh. sorry. Let's, let's talk about something else. If we talk about live music yeah. anymore, <laughs> I'm just gonna cry. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna yeah, start crying. All right. Uh, all uh, I want. Oh shit. I, I drank my. There's whiskey. various pathways we sometimes go down that we just kind of. No, I would talk about this all day hole. if I could go see a show tomorrow. Well, but like I, was, I literally yeah, was like, "Are you about to start crying?" <laughs> like I swear to God, guys, I sure. almost just started crying. I was ah, like fuck. thinking about music and I started getting goosebumps, and I was like picturing all these Ugh. things that we used to do, and I was yeah. Tied off the tears. tears with a little whiskey. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I just poured some. Well, cheers, boys. Boys, thank you. Cheers, fellas. Uh, to, to the return of live music. Uh, <laughs> And, and to how excited I am for you to ask this question, Charles. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> okay, we've all, we've all done this. A lot of people won't admit it. We've all done this. What's I, I do it every day. Do you do this every day? I'm just kidding. I thought we were talking oh, about shit. masturbating. Or- it's possible. No, well, it's possible <laughs> if you admit to this, if you cop to this. What's a fashion choice from your youth that you really regret? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was a horribly dressed youth. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, but again, I think that all the things we thought were horrible, horrible choices are coming back as pretty cool. So It's funny how that works. I regret nothing. I'm just waiting for my poor choices now to be really cool 20 years from now. Okay. Okay. Or at least maybe when we talk about it, something will occur to you because it happens to me all the time on this podcast. To, to, to which? Something might occur to you. You might be like, oh, fuck, hang on a second. I'm racking my brains for all okay. of them. I mean, well, well, I went well, through a really big denim phase first. that I thought was okay. horrible, and I was never going to show our family pictures. Canadian where tuxedo? I was like, denim, 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 and now, like, Boom. apparently that's really cool. These Shit. Or it was last year. I don't know what's cool anymore. Quam, what do you got? God, I wish I felt like you right now. I, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what's what cool I went, through a, I went through an Umbro's soccer shorts phase for a kid that didn't play soccer. Uh, okay. <laughs> Especially that didn't quite understand that he had gained some weight. 
there's very few fabrics on earth than that plasticky like sailboat sail material that umbrellas were made out of there's very little on earth that looks less appealing on an overweight person than that material when it's stretched mm-hmm. because it it creates like a ballpark frank effect mm-hmm. where it just makes your chunky legs look like they're hot dogs that haven't made the roller yet so that was horrible uh i pulled off a chin strap and mohawk from 19 oh no sorry that would have been from 2000 until like 2008 so that's at least five years too long like i was the guy that never left the family values tour after everyone else did yeah (laughs) uh that was a a horrible run i used to feel this is where I'll, i'll back you up justin i used to feel really bad about i had a huge cross colors phase and i honestly don't feel bad about that no I would love to go back to some of those outfits because they were fucking dope. I had a uh, my first day when I moved from Minneapolis to Maple Grove. Uh, my first day, I wore orange cross collar shorts, uh, D brown Reebok pumps, the black with the white, and then the orange ball, mm-hmm. uh, a Miami Hurricanes jersey, and a Miami Hurricanes flat build hat. I would one hundred percent wear that right now. <laughs> I, I would if I could have that outfit. In my hands right now, I would put it on. I don't to the know. listeners, he's, he's actually wearing that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually taking his current outfit yeah. off slowly. Oh, and yeah. honestly, my... It's in his gym bag at all times. My <laughs> orange cross-color shorts were baggy enough back in the day. I think that I would fit into them now. <laughs> yeah, normally. Uh, but, but going off of what you said, that all things are reciprocal, I have not seen the Cooley High Harmony fashion that I was promised was going to be the next big thing <laughs> yeah. from the Motown Philly record. Back uh, again. The banded collar dress shirts with matching sweater vests and matching khakis with all of your friends. Those aren't back? That was a thing that I definitely did with my friends, and that era has not come back. I don't know, man. Some athletes dress like that. That's fair. It would be like if I just wore every outfit that, <laughs> that Cam, Cam Newton wore. <laughs> Dude, I was... <laughs> There's we a bunch are, of dudes like, like that that like are like, I don't Mother care. Hubbard, like, Jesus. If I can interject before you go, just because now we've, now my, Dude, now all I can it. think about Absolutely. is how horribly I dressed as a youth. All I can think about is how bad I want you in Cam Newton hats. I will rock Cam Newton hats, yep. I promise you. Um, I respect his hustle. I respect his confidence. But fuck Cam. I don't even know where you're shopping. Um, I will say... I did come to a, a realization, like, post-high school until now to realize that I couldn't... All of the clothes that I wore before high school are way too big for me now. And I, I definitely went through, like, a a Dickies, like, oh, yeah. a Dickies suit situation to where, I, like, <laughs> I, I'm right now currently, like, a, a, a str- strong 31, like, 32 after a meal kind of day. And yeah. I was, like... Mom, I need a 38 waist and a belt that's a mile long. <laughs> and like, there was a point where I was in Apple Valley, Minnesota, wearing jabot jeans that yeah, were a 38 dude. waist. Oh, hell yeah. And I was Giant having a jabos. Dickies fucking, you know, button up with short sleeves, buttoned only at the top because I was, <laughs> you know, I was in Apple Valley, so that's what we did. Yeah. Um, did well, hold on, was it was it a was it a braided belt? And then you did the, oh, it's always the, a braided. Yeah, and then belt. you did the the leather, and you did the tuck <laughs> yeah, the little oh, the belt units. <laughs> and then we weren't allowed to wear those at school because they were phallic. So we, really? Oh, we, there we are. Oh, Apple Valley High School shut down the tucked under belt because we would wear them long. Yeah, of course. And they were like, "Oh, this is you're trying to show off the size of your penis." And That's I was like, "Well, amazing. you know, we're we're 14. Our penises are not this big." And so, so what what year would the would this have been in school for you? 
I mean, I was, you know, I'm a, you know, grad, 2003, graduate of high school, so this is, like, early, this is, eight, this is the 80s, 90s, this early 90s. I'm just, I'm just mystified by that, because that was, like, because I was, so I moved out to the suburbs in 94, graduated in 97, and that was, like, I think literally every single guy I knew graduated wearing one of those leather belts. Yep. That was the time, so it was dude. Extra long, that was the and you'd time. Loop it under. Oh yeah, of course. You had, to, you had to flip it straight right? down. That was so the that... exact time too. Yep. Like that's that the late window. 90s. It was crazy. Yeah, like when I remember when I was in junior high that was huge. So like 96. Yep. That but I remember huge. graduating from high school and when mom was packing up all of the things, like you're, you know, when you was going to the dorm room, getting all the stuff out of my mom's house and going through all those clothes that were in storage. And I remember putting on a pair of Dickies from when I was 12 that was like a size 38 waist. And I was like, what? And she was like, you want to keep these? I was like, no, seven of me could be these. Why did you let me buy these? Fuck you, mom. I never grew into them. This is just, just an untied lasso. Like, what, what is this? Yeah, so bad decisions all around. I want to know who started that. That is, a, that is a fashion trend that we have not blamed on anybody. I, I'm guessing you don't actually want to know the person that started that. Oh, no, no. Well, <laughs> but see, that's, again, it's, when it's a trend that never came back, yeah. I want to know, like, that was, that was an entire, like, an entire country. I'd got- like to think it was a trend bred of necessity because it was people who couldn't afford to go buy clothes. They were getting hand-me-downs from their dads, and they were For like, sure. hey, I'm yeah. going to wear dad's clothes and make it work. I don't know. I'm not, this is not a social impact conversation, but I'm just saying I that's pretend, I pretend I feel that like it's that's that way. I pretty legit. Because I'm going to be like, dad, why were we so poor? It's I had to wear your a, clothes. It's like, got to be a Netflix series about this, like the toys that made us. Right. There's got to be one, like the, the outfits. Yeah, Where did the these trends come us, from? Because like, at some point, everybody just knew Marité and Francois Jabot. Right. And Big time. Jankos. Jankos if you knew more white people. Cross colors if you knew more black people. Apple Valley. We had a lot of I have Ricci's if both. you knew I'm any Arab, beautiful so I was women. Like right in the middle of right. Middle Eastern. I had, <laughs> oh, had sure. Jabot's and Jankos. It was always, it was always <laughs> like gorgeous, gorgeous light-skinned women knew Zeke have Ricci's. Yep. Like that, that was always, always the jam. And those three... Denim companies, I guess they would have been like that. Yeah, Outfitters, complete, whatever. I guess four with Cross Colors and Jinkos. Mm-hmm. Like they all owned that whole era for like four years, and then all of them were gone. And so then with Hill everything, com- took a dump on their chests. With everything <laughs> coming back these like, days, nah, man, that's me now. And everybody doing these collaborations and all these old brands coming back. Yep. Wouldn't like a Jinko Jerbo situation. Like if they released something right now, they would be Yo, they would take Jim- over Supreme. They would be so the- would it, would it be has like, tried coming back many times. Would it be like I'm waiting cross for brand or like the, that cross design yeah. with the giant fat with legs? The giant wide <laughs> legs with like the Jerbo cross thing and maybe like a cross color stitch on the other side. I mean, I, I'd be down for it. I feel like Kanye'd be up for this. Uh, Yeezy, oh, if you're man. listening, if we've got some if ideas. Money in it, he's uh, chef coats it. with cold packs, and oh. <laughs> you guys gonna let me sneak out of here without saying my embarrassing shit? No, I want to know. Let's do this. I, I've always been real good at being neutral on not being really loud with my with my gear, especially as an adult. When I was a kid, you know, I wore Jankos and stuff. I wore Jabos. We've just established that I wore both, but both were kind of normal. And I don't think I wore any Jankos that were like the cartoonishly large ones in photos of me as a kid. I, I don't think I wore like the crazy ones. The one, I, I guess I piled in all my dumb fashion choices into my junior year of high school. Do you guys remember vinyl pants? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. 
I looked like an extra from The Matrix. I had vinyl pants. I had this black silk uh, button-up shirt with with a dragon and tiger in in a red foil on the breast, and I had bleach blonde hair. People and were it like, worked, dude. It worked at the time. I wasn't like people weren't like beating me up and shit. Like for some reason at the time it was effective. But now thinking back on it, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? I if had you have a, if vinyl you're... pants. Like if I fell on the steps in school, I would have been to the door in like yeah. one second. I like, the, the, the dragon on the chest button up right now. Oh like yeah, dude. Dragon <laughs> tat on the Every I'm time you, you unbutton silk it. with like a, a foil, red foil dragon encircled by a tiger. If, if you <laughs> if you on, vibrated your your fingers across it, would Drew Hill just show up behind you and like Cisco would just show enough. Show Love enough. it when the buddy go. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something awesome. else. All I could, <laughs> dude, you were like you were like the movie Go incarnate. Oh man, like just fucking channeled through. It was I don't know what I was trying to accomplish, but I remember that was the first it, day of school outfit. I can picture a lot of you in my high school. Though. But the question is, did yeah, it, like there were a lot of you guys, Lebanese kid with platinum blonde hair, that black silk Japanese style shirt, and yep. then like. Like graphite colored vinyl pants. I yeah. I, I was like, I'm styling, dude. I mean, this you're, is what's up. you're kind of bordering <laughs> on like black velveteen era Lenny Kravitz. That's right. not really that far off. Yeah, that's the loudest shit I ever wore. I mean, when I was a kid, I wore I wore probably all the same shit you wore, Quam. Oh yeah, it, I wore just a couple sizes smaller. Thurman Thomas jersey and Jabos. Yeah, you know, well, that like, was so the the one I didn't era... have the dopest shoes. I got CB 34s for my godmother one year for <laughs> basketball. I was like, let's go, man, Charles Barkley. The, <laughs> yeah, oh dude. man, the Barks were. That's dope. all I wanted. I wanted the Barkleys. That's my guy. The um, there there is there is a little era that I don't honestly. It might have hit here. It was that year the ninety nine when I lived in Norway. When I came home and I had all of, like, European club clothes, okay. my friends were very concerned. Mm. And that is also, like, <laughs> I, had, I had, like, pretty, pretty, like, skinny-legged trousers that had, like, whatever that wax coating is that they put on, like, fire fruit? hoses. Oh, they went, like, fruit. No, no, no. <laughs> like, it felt like fire hose pants, but then they were also really tight. Mm-hmm. And then huh. I had a polyester shirt with corresponding colored sunglasses. Oh yeah, man. That was my that was my like end of the junior year and a senior year rave Shiza. look. Yeah. Yeah. I had started German really dance club. I had started going to a lot of raves. Shiza. That was honestly my first partying in downtown Minneapolis was like the weird go to eight different locations and get the maps to the next one and then you end up at a rave. And it was everybody had that, and it's Probably so saw funny. a lot of dudes dressed up like me in my junior year of high school. Well, that's what's funny is like now there's this older <laughs> crop of DJs that all love to talk about like the days of yore, and there's so many of them that I'm like, yeah, I saw you wearing that shit because I was wearing that shit, but we just like don't talk about it and like allow because now everybody just wears like a black t-shirt right. and pants, and I'm like, yeah, but back then we were all in that shit. Yeah, we were we were liquid flowing <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, should we uh, should we bring her home? Yeah. With choose last... to bad fashion decisions to bad to to yeah. fashion decisions that worked for us at the time and to previous and to them coming back. Yep. Maybe never to photos that'll age well and poorly and well and then poorly again. To a parent out there that sees his overweight child wearing umbros and stops the horror before it goes any tell farther. Them no. <laughs> Just tell him no.
It's a lot of cheers, and we're going to finish this bottle on on account of that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, all right. This last question is a question that we've actually asked a few times. It's it's one of the very few repeat questions. It's Quamp's favorite. It is my favorite. And um, for a little while, I, I kind of wanted to, like, not ask it all the time. But at the same time, to me, it inspires a ton of joy. And from, like, the first time that I remember you and I really having a conversation past, like, hey, what's up, or, like, a cheers, right. was at Iron Bartender. And one of the things that I remember that night at Iron Bartender was hearing you laugh at, like, different funny shit that, like, people were saying. Yep. And I was like, okay, like, if he's tuned into some of these jokes, like, this is a dude I should be hanging out with anyway. Already admired you. We started chatting, and it went from there. If you had to think of a time that you laughed so hard, you didn't know if you'd find another breath. You didn't know if you were actually going to survive. Is there something that pops into your brain right away? Or is there like a time and a place that jumps out to you? Is there something that just makes you laugh? Or like if you close your eyes and you think of that moment, you immediately crack up again. Fuck. God, you could have asked me this at the beginning. I would have had a good one for you. <laughs> and tuned into it. That's big, Ben. Um, we can buy you time if yeah. you want to think about yeah. it. I, do need, I mean, I do need to think about it. I do, I do reconcile that uh, or recollect that Iron Bartender moment. And I remember sitting in the front row just like trying to make passive eye contact with you and I was like seeing like funny things like you were being funny and like sitting next to Steph and like the bird guys were yeah know, was, I was I was judging okay and was, you know like I knew everybody up on stage and some a lot and some not and like mm-hmm. but like yeah. listening listening to the way that he was taking in what people have said yes. and that he was like firing it back mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people on stage because being co- a, a competitor on stage like you're just kind of blind. Everything that you get back, you're thinking, how can I work this into my next round and how right. do I figure this out? For me as the MC, I just get to bask in the glory of like all of right. these like subtle jokes and really funny one-liners. And it was like three or four times in a row because Steph March is also just a machine at those where like I just kept looking back at you like, oh, this motherfucker's really funny. <laughs> Shit. I got to figure that out a little bit more. Kwam and I met when I judged Iron Bartender. Very true. It was awesome. a long time ago now. It was what 2015 maybe 2014? yeah 20 i think it was 20 oh shit 14 or 15 no it was i think it was 15 okay because that was when um that was the first year we did it at poorhouse correct and i think that was why i ended up emceeing that one because the one before that was at ice house and i was just oh, the right. dj yeah yeah okay. and i was trying to be funny because every round i did like a theme and then I realized that, like, two people were paying attention to that right. the whole time. So I was, I was, like, hoping that everybody would be like, oh, I get it now. Like, no, nobody cares. <laughs> uh, I mean, fuck. Should we get into stories? Um, yeah, let's do it. Like, we've asked this so many times. It, when you're deliberately thinking about it, like, thinking about this prior, knowing that Quam was asking this question, I was like, man, the, the stories I can actively think of that I can recount where I totally lost my mind, I've already told but what happened last time was as we were talking, I thought of something which oh. might happen to you, Justin. But what I will say is I, I want to make an effort to be a little more self-deprecating on this show. Fair. Sometimes the, the hardest you laugh is when you're by yourself. Absolutely. And something I thought about that is food related was one time I made myself a dinner when I was a bachelor living alone. And I made couscous, like the small kind, not Israeli, like the tiny pearl couscous. And it just kind of, I was eating too fast. I don't know. I was playing video games or some shit. And I took a big swallow of it 
and some of it kind of wrong tubed, like it didn't go all the sure. way down. And it was caught in a spot where I was like, if I breathe in, I'm going to choke. If I breathe out, it's, I'm going to choke. And so I had to breathe. So I was like, fuck it. And I took a breath and I did kind of like that, <laughs> like the, the chortle, right? And that's not the funniest part. The funniest, <laughs> the funniest part is those tiny beads of couscous, like a hundred of them shot out of my nose. <laughs> so I just, I sprayed a ton of couscous out of my nose. I thought you were going to say pee hole. <laughs> yeah, no, just that was later. That the was full luge. Yeah, it went down all the tubes, but at the time, it just, I saw it come out of my nose. That's amazing. Like, I wanted to laugh as it was happening because I couldn't stop coughing, but. They were, like, shooting out of my fucking nose. And that made you laugh more. They were, like, in my beard. And I was like, dude, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. So I cleaned it all up. But not only is that, not only was that hilarious and I was, like, laughing about it the rest of the night. Now whenever I drink, sorry, whenever I eat couscous, I think of that. I'm like, don't joke, dude. You don't want the fucking couscous to shoot out of your nose. So I giggle every time I eat couscous because I think about that (laughs) stupid-ass moment. (laughs) Uh. To, to back up your um, self-deprecating yeah. comment, um, one of one of my favorites, and thank God I'm still friends with her to this day because it's still funny now when we talk about it. But um, New Year's Eve Y2K, I had literally just gotten home from Norway. I hadn't seen anybody that I loved since from college since the previous spring, so it was wild and like I wanted to see everybody I wanted mm-hmm. and I was like well you know wait what year was this so the, 99 this 99, is yeah. like December 31st that's when and that's when your friends would miss you when you leave the country yeah now they're like oh you were gone for how long three months yeah, yeah who, gives we had social media. who gives a shit I saw your pictures it was <laughs> right. great back then there weren't there weren't pictures there wasn't anything I hadn't I hadn't talked to most of my friends you just disappeared the entire time mm-hmm. and I for like a half a day pondered staying in Minneapolis for it. I'm like, nah, head back up to college. I was going to St. John's university. So it's about an hour and a half drive North. And, uh, I drove up there and I went to a party and there was a fucking gorgeous woman named Rachel that I had a huge crush on. And I had promised a bunch of other people I'd show up at their parties. And she was like, any chance you'd maybe make it here by midnight? No reason. Just asking. Yeah. And I was like, I promise you, I'll be back by midnight, which are the dumbest things you could ever tell anybody before a night of drinking. Which two things? <laughs> that I'll, I promise you, one. Number two, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> so, so no, that was out. the major failing. Number two is definitely. So I, I'm cruising out and like, you know. Because you could have promised you wouldn't be back and you would have been right. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's appealing to all the worst parts of my personality because I've been gone for a long time. I lost like 40 pounds while I was in Europe because I walked everywhere and I ate really healthy because Norway and fish everywhere. So I came back. So I'm like slightly more attractive wearing different clothes or maybe not more attractive, but just like thinner. And uh, everywhere I go, like people were really complimentary. And I'm like, oh, I'm just like loving this, loving this. And I remember vividly at my friend's house looking over at the clock and it was like 1154. And I am two and a half blocks from Rachel's house. And I'm like, I got to go. And I literally threw my beer into the sink. Like there was still beer in it. Threw it into the mm-hmm. sink and took off running out of the side door. What I didn't know was that out of the side door, there is a two-foot gardening uh, little box <laughs> between her and the neighbors. There's no fence okay. or anything. Yeah. And I ran as fast as <laughs> six foot five at the time, 220 pound Ben could go. 
and both of my feet hit the box. And I, I mean, I probably, I vividly remember flying and watching the ground go past. Face first. Underneath me. Long jumping with your and forehead. It was, yep, and it was uh, forehead, elbow, and knee Ooh. first into the ground. Did you end over end? Uh, no, I didn't end over the end because it was a gravel driveway. And so it was less uh, sort of somersaults and more, we're going to put a lot of things in your body that shouldn't be there. And I remember yelling ow at the top of my lungs and then looking up at the sky and yelling fuck and then looking around and thinking this is the worst because there's not anyone here to laugh at this. And then I looked up (laughs) down the road that I had to run down to get to Rachel's house. And I'm going to try and do, I'm not going to have headphones on. I'm going to try and do my best impression or presentation of this. But I hear from a block away. And I look up, and literally one of my sisters, like literally one of my closest friends, just happened to be walking to the party that I was running oh, out I of. Saw you fucking. And from a block away, watched me make the most like uncoordinated fall on earth. And Marsha, goddammit, you are the only reason that story was funny to me. Because as soon as you started laughing, and then you fell over into a bush, I started laughing, and then I couldn't get up. And I literally <laughs> ran. This actually wasn't funny until you said someone it else wasn't, laughed. At it, it wasn't was funny like, until were she you was seriously laughing. injured. Or so then, Marcia <laughs> decides that she's going to fucking big sister me. This is, by the way, I mean she's a badass and she was on the rugby team, but she's like five seven, five six. That's good for a rugby. So player. she's like trying to help, but basically I'm like, gotta get to Rachel's place. Right. Gotta get there. Get there at eleven fifty nine. Marcia. Grabs my, made it. grabs my ankle, pulls <laughs> so my leg straight, and then just grabs a bottle of vodka and dumps it on my kneecap. And she goes, that one looked the worst. You'll be fine till after. And then literally just shoved me into the kitchen. I walked in. Everyone was like, three, two, one. Smooches happened. And then we cleaned... There you oh, that go. was almost right on Where's Marsha now? <laughs> she should pour a bottle of vodka on 2020. <laughs> Marsha is in Florida. She's super fucking dope. Uh, she was up here for... Uh, We're in the left knee of 2020 right now. Yeah, right? So. Just pour vodka all over us. She was literally up here uh, last winter, and she got to bring that story up, and we got to laugh about it again, and it was fucking beautiful. Amazing. Literally, sometimes you just need somebody else laughing at you to find the humor in it. So I hope maybe that inspired one. For well, it did. I mean, that's where I was going to start with. I, I don't know if I've locked in a specific story, but I generally like to have people laugh at me. I don't know. I I will. I do stupid shit, and I was like, "Hey, fucking laugh at me. Take some attention off all the other things, and uh, make fun of me." So I don't. I don't know. Is there is there a trope that cracks you up? Like, is it like an unintentional fart, or like if somebody catches an elbow, or like I, football I mean, in the groin? I mean, all, all, all of those slapstick comedy, um, <laughs> just random uh, injuries are still comical to me. I don't, and I think, I think those are lost on like the newer generation, like that you know, Wiley Coyote, freaking you know, Roadrunner yeah. type stuff. Totally. Like oh, we grew up on that, and that shit right. was funny. And like anvil, yeah. anvils on the head, random trippings, you know, hitting the you know the funny bone is still funny to me so if you you know bonk your elbow i'm gonna laugh 
but I sit around, you know, people that are younger and they don't find those things funny. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? He's got <laughs> a real. giant, you know, rocket attached to his head and he's running into a mountain. This shit's hilarious. So I do it's like super obscure memes now. I do like injury. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to think about what's funny. I like things just to be overtly funny because you bumped your head like all this intellectual humor. Do you follow Instagram accounts like kids getting hurt? Oh, I love like kids that? getting hurt. I love yeah. kids getting hurt. Kids getting hurt and morons doing things oh, are there's so many of them. My two so favorites. Mm, fuck kids. Uh, Look at this Russian. That's probably my favorite because Russia is very strange. It's like that account is terrifying. It's, it's, is their entire weird. economy so just built on like weird. pranks and awful things to each other? Because it feels no, like that's it is. normal. Business. That's everyday business for them. It's just real life. There's like a there'd be like a lady walking a, her baby in a stroller and a car crashes and flips over her head and she like ducks for a second, looks at it, and she turns goes and keeps slowly wah, walking. Wah, that's just yeah. Russia. <laughs> yeah. She turns and just keeps slowly walking. I'm like, how frequently does this happen to you? <laughs> if you should have a baby, Mother Russia will give you baby. This one, not good. <laughs> in Russia, <God>. car parks <laughs> you. <laughs> what? That's, oh man, I love that shit. I I got I got <laughs> the things that really crack me up the most right now are when I have faith in the next generation. Mm. The um, the what not Endgame the the first half of the final Avengers movie, it was like something. The part one was something, and then part two was Endgame. Whatever I don't know. Part one of Endgame mm-hmm. the, when it ends with Thanos snapping everybody out of existence. Endgame one. End game one. The um, the day after we all went and saw that for work, and the day after that, I was at Cub Foods checking on a liquor store, and on my way out, there were two kids, could have been brothers, could have been friends, I don't know, that were giving each other shit. And Infinity kid, War. Infinity there War. you go, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Kid one says to kid two, "Your mom's so fat, Thanos had to snap twice." And I literally, oh, yeah, we talked about this. in one second, that made me feel better about kids everywhere. Uh, Monday, Jesus Christ, that was last night, or yesterday, I was at the grocery store, and I was doing the self-checkout, and there were two, I would say, late teens, early 20s kids next to me. One kid is clearly buying all of the shit. The other kid just grabs a bottle of water out of the cooler and puts it in there, and the dude goes, that's your shit, you buy that. And I was like, okay, I just made a note of that, I'm interested to hear where that goes kid just didn't say anything he was cool so i finished checking all my shit out i'm waiting for the receipt and they're already walking out i walk out behind them and i watch this dude and i'm so fucking proud of this like i I, in retrospect i want to go back and hug him and ask him for his fucking name because i want to be homies with this kid he goes walks all the way outside and they're like 10 feet in front of me and they move to the right of the door as i'm walking out to go to my car and as i'm passing by them Dude cracks open his little Dasani water, and he goes to take a sip, and then he smells it. He goes, man, this smells fucking weird. He goes, he goes does that smell weird? And the dude just grabs it and smells it, and he just squished the bottle I love into his kid. face. Oh, the old move. The like, old... This dude trolled him <laughs> right from the, the time they were checking groceries out. And then I think that dude saying, I'm not going to buy you a bottle of water. He's like, fuck you. I'm going to like, get you. I'm going to give up half this <laughs> bottle of water just to get you. But the sound, because it went, it didn't go into his mouth because he was smelling it. It went into his nose. It's even worse. It made this really weird gargle. And then like, (laughs) that's me with the couscous right there. (laughs) And I literally just like, I just bent over giggling and I looked back up and the dude whose bottle of water it was 
ran over and just gave me knocks. Didn't say a word. Didn't he, even look at me. He saw you in line. He just tapped me, and then he went back to his boy. Oh, I love this. <laughs> I just kept going, and I'm like, all right, that kid is my new hero. So if anyone out there, if you have a child that apparently pulled a sweet <laughs> prank, please let me know. I will buy that dude whatever he wants at a grocery store. What would it take to hold Bottle of water. Four minutes, four seconds. <laughs> exactly. like I, don't, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> you, guys, you guys banter among yourselves. Right. Oh, shit, We've is, done this. Is the oh, bar still bar. on there? And there might be a bar on the door. You've got to lift off. No, it's no, it's a it's a door. It's a you passed it. It's a limestone door there. <laughs> okay, this is this was a challenge last time too. There's a bar on this door that looks like yeah, dude. It looks like a fire exit bar. I did the same. I did the same fucking move the first time I tried to go to the bathroom last time. I was in the kitchen like, well, hang on a second here. <laughs> This looks a lot like a big sink and not a lot like a toilet. Hmm. Oh, man. That's good. Dude, so while, while Mr. Sutherland is using the facilities, I want to talk about, because we were talking about memes. There's a lot of like weird fucking meme themes now. Yeah. I, for some reason, it, they're effective because some of them I lose my shit over. Here's, here's a type of meme right now that makes me lose my gourd. Beans. Have you seen bean memes <laughs> sipping on that bean? Dude, I lose my mind when I see that shit. Me and Splinter, future guest Brett Splinter. Oh, I want uh, him on here. Yeah, dude. So he's definitely coming on. Yeah. He, uh, he, he and I, when we see these bean memes, we always pass them back and forth. This meme group I'm in somehow transmogrified into like a bean meme group temporarily. <laughs> Are you in the meme group? Are you, I'm, I, I'm in like four yeah, of you're them. In, no, you're in the meme know, group with me. Am. I won't name it because it keeps getting banned. Yeah. But the memes memories group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now it's beans. Make beans. Okay. Oh, so it was bean memes only. And I was like, oh, man, you guys just made my day. I was having a shitty day. Now you're posting bean memes. But, dude, for the longest time, it was just like a big <laughs> cup of beans with a straw in it. And it, it would say, sipping on that bean. And I would fucking <laughs> die laughing. It makes no <laughs> sense. But sipping on that bean. I love... <laughs> My so I I'm definitely I am a sucker for all things meme. Any trope that's easily repeatable, it makes me laugh because I love to see how far people will go with it. Because again, going back to a few episodes ago, my favorite thing on earth is when people take something that's really funny for lots of people and keep going farther and farther until it's literally only funny to me, and then that's the funniest thing that I've ever seen. So I'm currently going through an obsession with um, memes where it's somebody either jumping into something that's about to fuck them up or somebody that's about to get hit by something that's about to fuck them up. And then I just come up with, like, whatever is driving me crazy in my own life. Like, I made three straight memes of people that were honestly about to die, and it was the victim was me, and then whatever was killing them was the K-A-R-S Cars for Kids song on K-Fan. Okay. Because... Honestly, I sometimes wonder if suicide would feel more fun than listening to that song. So, and sometimes in that meme, it's an actual car. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. I would rather have a car hit me than have a car go to these kids because of how much I hate. As soon as they hear that, I'm That's how I feel about National American University. I'm like, I would rather not know anything than anybody do one day. I'm so, hold on. I am so excited to tell you this, Justin. I know the human that wrote that song. What? 
And literally, oh, fuck off. Literally, <laughs> we used to go to his shows, and he is he is honestly a really good musician, and he wrote really good songs. But we went to his shows, and we would heckle him with that. Right. Whenever he like had a good vibe with a girl, we'd be like, "Play National American University," and the whole crowd would immediately turn around and be like, "What?" I'm like, "He wrote it. Don't <laughs> let him lie to you." And uh, like literally. jingles, <laughs> jingles are like the hardest shit to write. Though, Absolutely, so and they're credit. the most lucrative. And, yeah. album and they anger, they jingle. anger the most people, but it is also the most memorable stuff you hear throughout your day. And he's, I hate the liberty. Mine is liberty. I'll yes. just say that. The thing at the end liberty, of liberty, 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 fuck, liberty. So I just, many. I gotta mute it. I'm like, I get it. I know who you are. You don't have to say it sixty times. Uh, also, the guy that wrote the. Um, Treasure Island Resort and Casino. Come on, everybody loves that. Though. That dude used to be a regular at <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> Wild Wings in Plymouth on <laughs> Highway 55. <laughs> and he used that as a pickup for women. I bet. He'd would he do like, it? Would he say it? He would. He would, would he just blast it out? He would always go up during sporting events because they always advertise the casino during sporting mm-hmm. events. He would come hang out like Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, uh, any evening game, mm-hmm. he would cruise up there, and he would just hang out at the bar. Like, I mean, he was a very attractive dude, but he would hang out at the bar. And <laughs> the only thing that really drove me crazy, so like, very good looking uh, dude, braids about halfway down his back, but he would always wear like a because the logo is a toucan. Mm-hmm. He would always wear a toucan covered like Hawaiian style shirt, mm. and he had like four or five of them. And he would wait until the commercial played. And then, you know, because we always did sound Stand up for evening yeah. games. No. <laughs> and then he would, like, find a way to just weasel into, like, the attractive girl that was on the edge of whatever group. And he'd be like, you know, I wrote that song. And I'm like, yeah, you know you're from Burnsville. Like, you don't, you don't have that accent, me man. Like, when you ask me for my tab. Like, if like, I wasn't from Jamaica, yeah, why would I be wearing this hat? <laughs> like, right watching, watching Half-Bake was actually Boy. closer. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so, he would literally just, like, go into it. And it worked. I'm not going to lie to you. Probably 50% of the time. 50 or 15? Like, 5-0. 50% of the time. 5 All right. Well, shit. And I, like, every time. I mean, he always, he tipped me real well. So, I'm like, hey. You know how to take care of the person that's going to keep your secrets. I'm okay with it. What a mercy. Let him have it. <laughs> Boy. Boy. Right by the beach. <laughs> I'm sorry, Samson. <laughs> Someone asked me like a week ago why I say, Lord of mercy. Lord of mercy. Time. Like, Every time. Oh, man. <laughs> you have to. How could you not? One of the, one of the well, fucking legends. Well, fellas, you got anything left in your little cups? Bonus shot? I'm going to drink the rest of this. Well, let's, hold on. Let's, 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 let's do one. Little, let's have a little bit. If you gentlemen are up for it. Oh, we are. Uh, <clears throat> as we're kind of bringing it around here and getting ready for the cheers, uh, yeah. when does the new show premiere yes. and what channel? Yes, yeah, so the new, new show will premiere on True TV February 3rd. Hell yeah. So we'll send out, uh, obviously, follow. Well, first of all, let's take this shot. Hold on. First things first. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Second of all, we will also send out uh, a little reminder to all of our guests yeah. about when it premieres. But if somebody wanted to follow you on them internets or them interwebs or them socials, where do they find you at? Yeah, I'm uh, pretty findable on the interwebs. Um, you know, big on Instagram at Chef Justin Sutherland and newly at justinsutherland.com, uh, my website. So follow everything, get all my 
products and updates and all the things. I feel like we also had a few more things show up from, uh, from the website here. We have uh, some dredges and spices. Yeah, we just, uh, just on Black Friday launched the uh, Justin Sutherland Signature Series of my spices, dredges, rubs. We have uh, Tennessee Hot, our bourbon and smoke wing seasoning, brisket rub, wing rub, and uh, my fried chicken dredge, which I'm really excited about. So, cool, I'll make sure available. I get some of that. Yeah, oh, some, girl. Make sure you share this. I got plenty for you guys. Yeah. That fried chicken dredge, you know that that only happens for a podcast-esque Fried chicken moment. We might that might have to be our first uh, cocktail I, live recording. I like that. I I will use that, and then the remainder of my jerk sauce that's in my freezer. Oof! Hell yes, nice that question. is a fucking wonderful thing. All right, uh, so hit Justin up. Obviously, uh, in a in a grander and a bigger sense, much like he was saying earlier. Make sure that you're helping support our bar and restaurant community, our small businesses, and not just during this shit. When it's done. I'm sorry. This has shown us this whole COVID lockdown 2020 is a year has shown us that we have to look out for our own. We have to look out for our own communities. We have to take care of the business owner and operators that live within our communities and our local restaurants to the best Uh, of your ability. Yeah. Within your means, do what you can. Yep. You know, like if you were going to be eating out this week, like for me, you know, maybe I'd be going to Kalita on Friday and I'd be spending 200 bucks. I want to treat my life that way uh, because I'm doing okay right now. And if you're doing well and ordinarily you'd be spending money at restaurants, please help buoy these people because the federal government is not assisting them. Yep. So let's let's make sure <laughs> that the federal government. <laughs> yeah, let's Sorry. make sure these places are here when this is over because I I've said it online, I'll say it again. I don't want to wake up to one less grand cafe. Yep. Like I I don't want it. So keep these places running. And also in a grander sense, think about it every time you're shopping. Think about if there's a chance. It's holidays. Yep. If you're if, listening to this modern day, it's the holidays. Yep. Look up what's local. Figure out a way, even if it's an extra day, even if you have to go there and pick up, knowing that you're helping support a business in your community means if you really want to break it down to the, the, the most selfish that you can, it means more tax revenue into your own community. But on top of that, you're helping other entrepreneurs find their dreams and be able to live them you're helping a stronger local community which always means a better country so whatever you have the ability to do please do that please go out there and support people please love justin sutherland and please 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 give us a review on any of the podcast channels you find us on libations for everyone aka lfe podcast on most of the socials lfe pod on twitter lfe pod sorry at libations for everyone on everything else so at Libations for Everyone on Instagram, Facebook, some yeah. other stuff, too, that we don't really use. But. And if people want to find you, Mr. Charles Awad? At It Came From The Sea on Instagram. And I'm either Ben Quam, the communist, or just communist. You'll find me somewhere. I'm usually preaching about super lefty, progressive shit and mm-hmm. music and all other things. So uh, we love you so much, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Cheers, Libations everybody. Cheers for everyone. <laughs>